a lot of people want to make the Enneagram more like digestible or approachable or short mm-hmm. scene to the point. And it's like, you can't like without losing some amount of its usefulness. But I d- think that if people were really interested in transmitting understanding, they wouldn't reduce the Enneagram to such kind of easily misunderstood catchphrases. Like these types are not about how well you're doing with something. It's really about where you're located. People are doing their type when they're conceptualizing the type. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self-presidential with Bioling 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8-wing 7, sexual self-pres with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres social 3-wing 4 with a... If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. It's your Enneagram himbos and bimbos. Uh, We're (laughs) back. Uh, We had a little bit of a pause. So that is what a world is like without Big Hormone Enneagram. So uh, make sure to help uh, help us out with all the whatever that we give you by uh, sending us some money for our new updated sound equipment, please. And yes, yes. BHEpodcast at gmail.com for our PayPal and EMEKV for Venmo. We already have $110 raised so far. We're trying to get to 500 As you can notice, you know, everyone but Nancy at this point has a newer... You, yeah. Blame Amazon. She doesn't have her microphone because it got lost or, or somebody my, stole it. Or my people who live in my building. You can blame them. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're, we're upgrading our sound equipment. Hopefully people are noticing and uh, can appreciate it. Just uh, help us out. Send us like 10, 20 bucks. If, if we get like just, what, 50 people to send us mm-hmm. 10 bucks, we've reached our goal. It doesn't take very much. So help us out. How can you ingest all this free fucking content and not give back? You know what I'm saying? Yes. What other announcements do we have? We have David's Trifix book. You can find it on anygrammar.com and anysite.com. Uh, we got my book. You can find it at bookshop.org and amazon.com and Central Drives the Enneagram. Uh, and we got anything else? Uh, Dark Arts Academy. We right. just released a typing video we did on Brene Brown. Lots I can't of people. Wait to watch that shit. <laughs> lots of people are big fans of her. We we just roasted her mercilessly. Oh my God, that's it was amazing. It was glorious. So. Uh, <laughs> Come, come watch a bunch of, you know, four, four wing three <laughs> princess fix boys roast Brene Brown on the latest episode of the Dark Arts Academy. Cool. So today uh, we are talking about, it's, uh, it's any groups about motivation, not behavior. <laughs> One of the um, most persistent comments you get in response to saying something innocuous about how, oh, this post or this person or this something doesn't really represent the type that, you know, whoever's presenting this content or material thinks it's representing. And one thing that happens all the time is on the, especially on the four groups, somebody posts something blatantly, like, flamingly nine or, some, you know, an example of a celebrity that's flamingly not four or something, and you're like, well, you know, this seems like it might be indicative of attachment type. And they'll go, oh, but the is about motivation, not behavior. You can't tell anything about the blah, 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 the outside or anything like that. And uh, that's wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it is about motivation, and it's also about behavior. And behavior comes from motivation. Uh, so we're going to talk about that today. I, one of the things I was wondering is this probably uh, originated from either Susan Stabile or Ian Crone because it's mm. only in the last couple of years that people have been throwing this around. Yeah, it's part of the Christian culture thing is don't type other people. Mm. And that's actually not what we're doing. And that is another topic is just how attachment types unconsciously, reflexively assume that when you're saying that something in a post is not four-ish, that you're then retyping them. Right. Well, it's also kind of hypocritical in the sense that people are making posts in groups and saying that this is four or this is five. And if you respond and say, this isn't four or this isn't five and here's why, then they respond, it's about motivation, not behavior. So they are using examples, behavioral examples, to try to say this is a type. But when you, True. you know, provide a, a reason why that's incorrect, that's when they hit you back with it's motivation, not behavior. My issue with that saying is like there's a little bit of it that is true, right? Because it technically is about motivation that mm-hmm. comes from behavior, like you said, um, or behavior comes from motivation, but. I think what people misunderstand is that, or people think they know their own motivation. And yes. Like you don't know your own motivation, say. though. You don't. Exactly. <laughs> motivation is unconscious. Right. So it's not like you can ask somebody, what was your motivation to do that behavior? You can think you know it, but you won't yes. know it. Yeah. They say you can't type celebrities because you can't know that person's motivation, which is basically saying that only that person can know their motivation. It's like, no, no, the point of the Enneagram is that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody knows what their motivation what is. <laughs> if everybody knew their own motivation, therapy wouldn't be necessary. Like- exactly. <laughs> right. Well, another thing it also brings up is when we're talking about the Enneagram, what the fuck is motivation? You know? Yeah. Like, Fair what point. can we point to is the motivation of the types or the instincts? And I think that the, the, any kind of motivation that we're speaking to has to consider instinct, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the instincts are the literal, literal in motivations, like the, the instinctual drives are um, motivations to meet specific needs, and that the passions are our reactions to them, emotional reactions based on the misguided view that we're going to get essence, our essence quality out of the instinctual drive. But that's a pretty complicated chain of motivations mm-hmm. and very layered uh, sense of motivations. And so I actually think that, um, you know, like I, I know that Risa and Hudson have like the basic desire, basic fear, and that that has been replicated a great deal in a lot of other books and resources. I actually think that those need updating at least, if not, might not even be all that useful because, mm-hmm. you know, again, to try to succinctly say what a motivation for, for one of these are, it's like, you have to be critical about what motivation means, uh, our lack of awareness around it. And at, like, I think that you can go to different depths, so to speak, of the psychological structure and point out different motivations. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. is, uh, like at what point is the motivation to restore essence? And at what point is it a motivation to fulfill instinctual needs? And at what point is it a motivation to resolve uh, object relational dynamics? And so they're all kind of together, but they all can be parsed out separately. And 
they all lead to specific qualities, specific um, aesthetic choices. Uh, the collage exercise speaks to a lot of that aesthetic influence. So it's kind of like a, a throwaway trope or whatever that's really, really, really common. And it, it only has the effect of just muddling what each type looks like and how they're experienced. And it's sort of like, well, anybody can be any type kind of, mm-hmm. a, kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when people come into the Enneagram and they're trying to figure out their type, you look at a description and you're looking at these highlights and it's really easy to imagine yourself into a type because how do you sum up a personality structure that is three-dimensional into like one line and say, this is what it is. Even like for eight to say, this is a type that's seeking to be powerful. Like no eight, very few eights would read that and be like, yeah, that's me. Because the real core personality mechanism is so many layers deep down. It's so unconscious that you take it for granted. So it's really hard to see yourself doing a personality from the perspective of trying to describe it from from the outside. And so maybe what is useful is looking at what each uh, type's core personality, like automatic personality mechanism is, uh, and trying to describe that. But it's hard to do that because each of these types is, they're, they're each a personality structure. And it's like a house. And if you understand how a house works, then you can start to, to see, all right, you know, this is why we can point out like this post or this expression is not um, indicative of this type structure because it has certain boundaries and certain things that, you know, like certain rules, I guess, um, that make it up. I think it's also worth noting that a lot of people want to make the Enneagram more like digestible or approachable or short mm-hmm. scene to the point. And it's like, you can't mm-hmm. really like without losing some amount of its usefulness. So right. I think a lot of people like want it to be shortened down to one line and don't want to do the actual work of understanding the whole type. Even if you shorten it down to one line, the Enneagram, why it's so powerful is that it hits so deep and it's not the sort of line that if you were able to shorten it down, that would uh, be simple. Like you can't Mm -hmm. just sum up three by saying, oh, this is just someone who wants to be valuable because it's more complicated than that. Like you wouldn't, uh, most threes wouldn't be able to just like read that and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's me because that's there's, me. Yeah. you know, there's more to it than that. Well, speaking of motivation, I think one of the primary motivations for trying to reduce type two in Enneagram two, like motivation and even excluding behavior, because I think something that's been, that's runs throughout the way we approach the Enneagram, but I don't think we've really named and something that I'm becoming more aware of is operating in terms of. Uh, how I use the Enneagram or apply it is that there is the way the type experiences themselves and then there's the way the type is experienced by others mm-hmm. and how vastly uh, different those things can be and how both need to be considered because like, you know, we talk about nines who think they're the most extreme reactive person in the fucking world <laughs> and they're really flat and blank on the outside and it's like maybe they are really extreme and blank but they're good or really reactive but they're good at doing the nine thing and that's what makes the difference between uh a reactive type and a nine is that a reactive type cannot uh and does not even think to you know manage their reactivity in that way 
Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the motivation, I think, is really to, uh, I mean, on one hand, it's like to help people understand the Enneagram. But I think that if people were really interested in transmitting understanding, they wouldn't reduce the Enneagram to such kind of easily misunderstood catchphrases. And Mm -hmm. so the motivation there, I think, is to like fucking sell books or sell content, you know, and to Mm -hmm. kind of, we live in a infographic influencer environment. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about the Enneagram is that it's so complex and it's so deep that it's going to be extremely difficult to package it for the corporate or package it for these marketing companies that want to sell shit to us like it's not as easily accessible in such a simple way if you're really getting doing the real enneagram doing these real t- the, the types as they really are um you can't really distill this shit into something that can be sound bites and, and put on facebook ads we're gonna gatekeep girl boss and gaslight here <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah i mean that's one of the things that uh i think we've all been accused of is gaslighting people because we will assert something that they didn't already understand about the Enneagram or a type. Uh, at least I get that a lot where it's like, I don't know, I might say something like nines are not actually conflict avoidant or like that's not actually the like defining feature of nine, even though a lot of authors define nine as that. And they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're trying to gaslight me because that's, I know that's not true or something because of this book, but that's, First of all, it's not the definition of gaslighting. <laughs> yeah. It's called a disagreement online. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is this thing where the Enneagram is so, it's very immediately compelling because you can kind of see the archetypes very, like, immediately, but uh, it takes a lot to get past our first, third, and 20th impression of each type. I mean, that's why we, you know, we've all been working with the Enneagram for over 10 years each. And, you know, that's what, typing services are about that's what dark arts academy is all about it's like there's so much more to fucking learn and a lot of times people uh, feel very prideful of their like first impression of whatever the fuck they've learned and that it just stops them from learning further Mm -hmm. yeah i i picked up different typologies over the years and most of them didn't stick because they didn't have the sort of depth and dimension that the Enneagram has. And, and part of what makes it so cool is that it never ends. I mean, I've been studying or interested in the Enneagram since like, goddamn, like my last year of college, like it's been since 2006 or 2007 or something. It's been a long time. And I would have gotten bored and left it if I wasn't continually learning um, like transformational shit, like life shifting kind of shit from the system. So. A lot of times people come into this stuff and, and they've read a book or two and they feel like they've already got it down and it's understandable that they would feel that way, but strap the fuck in. This is a <laughs> lifelong fucking interest and if you are really encountering the Enneagram, your shit's going to be fucked up over and over again. You don't know shit. It's true. A uh, fun little tidbit for you, Emika. In 2007, I was 12. <laughs> wow <laughs> you're welcome podcast is getting very inappropriate <laughs> a lot of times what happens when you illustrate that the types are these distinct type structures people respond by saying no you're too close-minded you you oh, oh, yeah. like because the way people do these like uh soundbite 
one-liners, it gives you a lot of room to imagine yourself into a lot of different types. But mm-hmm. once you get yeah. down to what the type is, it it's really narrowed down. It's really limited. And yeah, that's and, exactly what right. the fuck it is. It is literally right. really limited. And their pushback is there's a lot of different kinds of fours <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like being the type that withdraws into themselves and rejects everything else doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room to like be a lot of other things. You know, I yeah. mean, that mm-hmm. was learning I was a four was, was really shocking because seeing how much four describes me like that's the thing is they'll they'll often go four describes me to a t and then at the same time they'll be like there's a lot of different kinds of fours <laughs> and for it's me like, like both. right and so for me like learning about fourness really characterized me in a way that was horrifying and disgusting because it was like i thought i was unique and then mm-hmm. i'm just a fucking product you know replicant yeah, exactly. And that's why I got obsessed with it because I was like, I had to know like ins and outs of this thing and to try to find what was not just the pattern. But, um, but yeah, it's like part of the horror, especially in Hexad, is that there's not a lot of variety. Mm-hmm. And that ego structure in itself is, uh, it's, a, it's a constriction. Mm-hmm. You know, the more we are identified with it, the more constricted we are and the more limited are the repertoire of reactions and patterns and behaviors and all that shit. And the more unrealistic and yet like identified we are with whatever our quote unquote motivation might be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people were making fun of it's a lot of nines who are, you know, looking for a sense of individuation from a type description. And which a lot of what that's what's going on there is imagining themselves into vague descriptions. And so when you constrict that down and say it's actually really specific and in a way that actually causes them to maybe see that some of these sharp edges don't match, that's when they kind of get reactive. Yeah, another thing that kind of drives me nuts, maybe there's arrogance here, probably arrogance here, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, arrogance is allowed. Says the eight. <laughs> y- y'all get like, what really will drive me crazy is I get so many people that like will often come to me for some kind of Enneagram something like, you know, session or just question or something like that. And I'll give my point of view and I don't expect anybody to, to agree with my point of view, but, mm-hmm. but they will say stuff like, well, uh, here's a life circumstance that you just probably don't understand that probably changes the type. So mm-hmm. that it looks more yep. like what I think it is. <laughs> and I'm just like, I just like have such little fucking patience for that now, because not only is it like, it's usually the person who then themselves has a work in progress understanding of the Enneagram then to say, well, actually, like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But in this point, you don't know what you're talking about because right. of this circumstance I just made up. And it's like, all right, you know what? That could be true. I don't care. But I want you to, like, fucking work with it and think it through and figure that shit out and come back to me. If no, don't even, don't even come back to me. I don't care. But. <laughs> It's one of those things, it's like, these, like, life circumstances, like, oh, well, this life circumstance changes it. Um, or, like, you know, one of the good examples was um, the ways that people online got mad at uh, the way I described sexual instinct as being, being about sexual attraction. And, you know, people accusing me of being sexist because I was saying that women want sex and want to be sexually attractive. <laughs> like, you, you know... It's like, wow. God, just come on, just come on, just think about it. Just go away for a minute and think about it. 
I mean, we've said it before, but that's an attachment type thing. That deal of uh, my life circumstances was, you know, were such and such, and so that's why I'm a four. That's a really nice, happy, sunny four. Yeah, because I had to be in my family, or else I would whatever be abandoned. Right. Or yeah. it's also that you know, let's say you catch somebody doing their type, like there's a. You say, mm -hmm. let's talk right. about this example from your life and, and let's look at it and you discuss with them and show them this, this pattern that you're exhibiting in this situation is nine or it's six. And they say, they pull back and say, oh, well, actually, this is other situation that if we looked at would, would show that I'm not actually the thing that you're saying because this situation that I brought to you that I thought would show the type that I want to be is not actually showing the real me. <laughs> and so there's this thing of even because like for example with any grammar we uh, have people record videos like we used to in the past and i think john still does this and david does sometimes uh of just doing a typing session which is um somebody you're interviewing them and together you're having discussions and and you type them during the session and that's a lot harder to do it's like kind of like high high wire uh, circus at where you have to not only pay attention to what the other person is saying, but not allow them to influence you determining their type. So it gets mm -hmm. really complicated. We stop doing that with any grammar because when somebody makes a video, it's, it's their chance to craft whatever it is that they feel is who they are. And for as much time as they want to, it's like this is your chance to say and answer these questions and really give a snapshot of who you are. But still, people will get typed and they'll say that video that I made and I spent all that time doing does not represent me. Here's another yeah. video and hopefully you'll see something else different. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. This thing that I put my energy into and had total control over. It's not the real me. Yeah. But as an attachment, it really does feel that way. Yes. Yes. It's okay. the annoying part. It's like, you guys are, are laughing, but it's like, it really does feel like, well, but that's not really me. Like, let me show you really me. And then right. it's, it, but it, nothing ever really is really you. It's right. such a frustrating cycle. Well, I guess, you know, I think one of the things you mentioned on, I forget what call it was, maybe the last attachment to disconnect call with uh, Xander and Courtney was that for attachment types, it is always contextual so mm -hmm. you who am i for this situation um how you're adapting for this situation so it doesn't feel like any one instance is you because it's mm -hmm. a version of you <laughs> it's a fun little game god and that's like i mean what's so funny four nine get confused because that's like such the opposite stance totally. of four yeah like mm -hmm. i have to be consistently me all the fucking time like, I have to be unbending to any context. And that's, like, why fours are so annoying. I mean, that's why, I guess, Hexad's so annoying. But, yeah. <laughs> but Yeah, it is. It really it, is. I have to be this all the time, no matter what, uninfluenced by anything. And uh, that just doesn't seem like, it seems like everybody is doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think maybe the the thing uh, threes get projected on as fake in the Enneagram. And I don't, I don't want to say that this is true for all the attachment types but all the attachment types on some level doing a similar deal mm -hmm. not to say that it's fake adapting. but some people yeah adapting and this is something that uh uh beth has recognized in herself that she comes across like a nice person and people genuinely like her she's super warm and then on the back end uh people discover that she's actually 
she can be really uptight and demanding. And so it's this thing where I'm saying, well, you should just be uptight and demanding up front. Mm-hmm. So that then people who pr- appreciate and like that can actually connect with the real you um, instead of like trying to mask it or trying to like just get the attachment with this sort of, uh, you know, the thing that you feel like you need to do to get people to like you initially. Because if they, they're going to find out anyway, you know, what you're really, you know, the back end. So it's easier. Like, you know, I can be an asshole sometimes, but everybody knows it. So I'm not like everyone knows that I'm a dick in, on some level. Uh, so either you like me or you don't. Whereas I think there are sometimes a lot of attachment types feel like they're, uh, they have to do certain things to get the connection going. And maybe later on people discover like there's an aspect of you that they didn't expect. And they feel that that's fake. Yeah. So did she did she say she felt like she could like be demanding and needy up front? Uh no. I mean part of the issue is like those two parts of her are still her. It's just that she feels really uncomfortable endangering what she feels like endangering the connection up front by, you know, just letting it loose to she, you know, that she's has these maybe what people might consider unpleasant traits, but I think I think if people think it's unpleasant, that's fine. They're going to find out at some point either way. So right. what's, the, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, attachment yeah. types need to learn that just being yourself up front, it calls, you know, the herd. And then people that are just attracted to whatever the real you is, they're gonna, that's, the, that's your people. You know what I mean? And you're going to have real... I think you're oversimplifying it a little bit, David. (laughs) You're going to have real relationships and and stronger relationships. And you're... You know what I mean? It'll be... Totally. No, I don't know what you mean. So dissipated. Yeah, Yeah, Nancy, what do you think? (laughs) No, that pisses me off. Because he's over here saying you just have to be yourself. Oh, it's so simple. Just be yourself and it'll call the herd. Well, I can't do that. Most attachment types can't just go into a room going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be myself. That doesn't happen. What happens so if you what do is that? it that stops? Yeah. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, what what happens if you what would happen if you did that? <laughs> the issue is it just gets swept away. The me at one point just gets swept away. So there's no like me to be in a uh, certain situation. Because okay. it just it just is gone. So well, it's but, not an option of being like, I'm going to be me. It's like, well, if but, I try to just be me, I end up literally not like being mute because I'm just like, there's nothing. Part of particular to three is a certain way of kind of needing to adjust to what you're seeing the other person seeing you as or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is part of three. Yes. I mean, I don't know what you're trying to say here. <laughs> I'm just trying to point out how screwed up you are. No, um, yeah, well, I guess it's a sort of more involved in like really making the work of what you're doing. If when you, as you just said, like you step into a room with some other people, you've actually got to go to work to see how they're seeing you in a certain way. Um, and so that's like particularly. Uh, I don't know, somehow so adaptive in a certain way that's, I don't know, it seems it's a little different from six and nine. Well, I think, uh, yeah, you know, the sort of reflexive adapting and picking up on whatever the attachment cues are is just like inherent in attachment types. But I think that their work is to cultivate like a touchstone of self 
Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's not like, oh, who, who am I right now? Or something like that. It's like, it's like you can put your foot in the pool of, oh, these are the swimming impressions of things I could attach to and ways I could respond or adapt. But also knowing that I do that. And, and like, so that's like the third piece is like, there's whatever we call me, which I know is very hard to grab onto and to understand directly for an attachment type. Then there's the the pool of impressions or the atmosphere of impressions I could draw from. And then there's just knowing that I do that pattern. And I think accumulating like data over time, self-observation over time, where it's like, okay, this is what it feels like in my body when I'm open to these impressions and I'm responding to them. And, you know, this kind of shit, just like not necessarily running to grab onto who am I in this moment, but really just seeing more and more texture around the pattern of uh, adapting starts to kind of evoke uh, cues, you know, like little things you catch Mm -hmm. yourself in the moment. And just plus inner work, just balancing the centers a little bit. um, That gives you a location that you can always go back to remembering to be present in the body and the heart and the mind as best you can. Yeah, I think there's a place that um, attachment types have to go to in the body to know that that's who they are. like. Mm in the moment and for me at least it's like something clicks on and there's a different sensation in the body when i'm not being me Mm. right but you know there is a bit of oversimplification happening when you guys talk about it because that is a lot of work and that is a lot of self-knowledge to be able Mm -hmm. to be like oh this is me Mm -hmm. or this is you know at least a touchstone here like it's taken me like 26 years to have a touchstone even sure so you know it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. I always, I always hear from attachment types, though, that, like, usually they kind of know, like, what the deal is. I mean, at least with, like, Alexandra, she'll talk a lot about, like, oh, I knew this the whole time, but I, mm-hmm. I you know, like, I adapted or I, I did my attachment thing. Um, I was talking to Courtney on the phone yesterday, and the way she put it, yeah, it was, like, outsourcing the heart and the mind for nine, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Just, like... Or being a heart and mind without a body. So it's like not being put into action. So it's like those toggling between those two. Mm. And so like, yeah, with the three, it's like outsourcing the heart, outsourcing the identity. And one thing might be for three is like uh, identity that's not a doing. It's not mm-hmm. an action. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like just being a piece of shit nobody, which is <laughs> the line to, to line to healthy nine. Mm-hmm. For, the three. for me anyway, for probably a lot of threes, it's like not contributing to the moment. Like, you know, just existing. Like, like yeah. embracing just existing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you don't have to contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Assertive types always feel like they got to push into something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that's been coming up in sessions I've been doing with people is, you know, people always ask the question, like, what do I do now? What do I do with this information? How do I grow as a nine? How do I uh, stop doing this pattern? And the blind spot. You know, just as a mm-hmm. as a uh, a wedge to actually find, like for example, self press blind uh, to really center in oneself, that to really get in touch with that sense of grounding, to to mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. like, okay, what is me, or what do I want, or, or um, what are my thoughts? Uh, what are some practices to ground oneself? And one thing I was really impressed by um, the OPS people put out a video. Uh, this week or something about this is the same question that everybody always asks after they've been typed like what do I do 
how do I grow? And they distilled it so simply, you know, at least in their system that, you know, what they're calling the last function, which would be like a blind spot, that this is the thing that you have to work on, that you have to practice. And I, I wanted to come up with something like that for, I mean, they did, they did that for all the types. Like if you, I've already shared an example for John, like if you are TI at the top, like your life sort of struggle is the feeling like, oh, I'm being emotionally manipulated at the opposite FE. And so this is the question that keeps coming up. Every session I've ever had is the same question. What do I do as a nine to grow? Uh, to have something simple enough and actionable enough that people can grab onto with, with the blind spot or... It's the blind um, spot. You know, and the I don't know if there's something with the lines of connection that can be something quick mm-hmm. that people can tap into there as well. There's something that they can actually go and practice immediately. That would I be mean, cool. I mean, in my view, it is the blind spot. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think the reason is for me that the blind spot is the key is because the stacking is... Um, rigid or like I think of it as like tense like a tense muscle where you're like you know contorted out of what's natural because you think unconsciously you're going to get your type's essential quality through your dominant instinct Uh and so when you start to relax the instincts uh, you're relaxing the ego structure and what that means is that you're able to see that who and what you are is not contingent totally on just being a dominant instinct machine Mm-hmm. And you're able to actually step back sometimes from complete identification with the personality and actually have a, a, a space inside for where you can um, not only experience yourself as a more three-dimensional person, but you also have the room inside to sometimes taste a little bit of the essential quality. You know, it might be just like a really, just a little glimmer, it might be something more profound. But when we start to have more room inside, so to speak, uh, our personality structure relaxes and becomes more transparent. And when, our, uh, when the passion, which is what, you know, the thing in us, the emotional need in us for the essential quality uh, related to uh, how we're doing in, in response to instinctual goals, uh, when the passion is a bit relaxed, then the mental center opens up. And so it's like from the body and all this tension and all this like, keeping things in and out and going that relaxes the heart relaxes and the mind relaxes and so i really do think it is as simple i mean it's more complicated of course uh but it's simple as the blind spot part of the difficulty is how do we define the instincts like that's why i wrote wrote a fucking book so buy the book please mm-hmm. but you know like there's so much bad information about what the instincts are and how to ad- adequately integrate them and a lot of that trouble is because there's not like an actual understanding of what these instinctual drives are and how they function. You know what I'm saying? Right. Someone's texting me today because they were like, um, they were listening to uh, an alternative Enneagram podcast, Enneagram 2.0, and they were they were trying oh, to land on their <laughs> trying to land on their their type, and they were saying, okay, they're describing this type is this way, and I see some of this in myself, but I don't see this much myself. And basically, they were saying that, like, okay, they're like, they're good at some things in self pres, and but maybe not so good at these other things in self pres. And I was I, like, my response, like, I don't know what I didn't listen to the thing or whatever yet, but uh, my response was like, I, I just have not found this like way of describing type as like 
just like the book descriptions in terms yeah. of like, well, they're more like this and they're good at this and bad at this. Like I find the good and bad at in terms of understanding instinct is like really, really does not do any create clarity no. because mm-hmm. I mean, as a sexual dominant, there are ways I am fucking amazing at sexual and there's some ways I'm fucking horrible. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, I'm fucking horrible at social and in some ways I'm weirdly good at social. Right. Right. Um, and last thing I'll say before I shut the fuck up is I can speak to myself, of course, but like, you know, with Alexandra and watching her integrate the sexual instinct, like that, that sense of integrating the sexual and finding it in her own body and what she's responding to and turns her on and all this kind of stuff has been enormous work for her in terms of finding like who she is independent of the attachment stuff. And it's shown up in her appearance, like with the way she's letting her hair be curly and all this kind of stuff. But it's like giving her such a, a sense of herself and her own energies. And I think that's true with no matter, like no matter what our blind spot is, is that like, I mean, for, for at least, at least three of us here that are social blind, uh, getting a little social instinct in like how we like see it, like helps us see ourselves, which is so fucking basic and dumb, but it's like, you know, that's how you start is that's how you start with this stuff. I think is, is really the blind spot. I mean, you can start a lot of different ways, balancing the centers of course, but blind spot is part of that. Yeah, it's it's you made a really good point because it's a lot of podcasts and websites try to talk about types in terms of these descriptions and people who are trying to figure their types out or trying to compare themselves and say, "Oh, I think I do that well." And that brings up another point of something that uh people often point to as a reason why they think they're a certain type because they feel like they do certain things well and types and instincts have nothing to do with your level of competency mm-hmm. with how good you're doing it. And so sometimes people get typed and they say, oh, how can I be self-prez when I neglect self-prez? Like these types are not about how, you, how well you're doing with something. It's really about where you're located. And that's one right. thing that, that I love about, you know, my orientation to learning the Enneagram was through typing, is that you can argue and say whatever the fuck you want all day long, which is why quizzes are incredibly inaccurate because you're mm-hmm. asking somebody to to self-locate and tell tell you about themselves which is fucking pointless but we're doing our type non-stop like that's one of the the things that you know can piss people off so much about typing is that these personality structures are automatic and they're going on moment to moment your instincts you're doing them all day long so if you put together a collage it does have a distinct style that reveals your instinct stack and a lot of people think that's a crazy idea but your type is a nonstop thing and you're not aware of it. And that's why it, it fits into a very distinct pattern. And so it's not about competency. It's about like where you're located, the things that you take for granted. I mean, you can be a complete slob who doesn't take care of themselves and still be self-pressed. You can be a, you know, a shut-in that has like only one friend and be a, a social type. You can be right. a, you know, a, a, a very cringy, unattractive uh fucking person who's a sexual type it's not about uh what you think you're good at it's about like where you're actually located and what you're oriented to and it's happening all the time another thing is people are doing their type when they're conceptualizing the types so like when we say for example four is a disdainful dismissive hateful etc etc they think we're saying bad things about fours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. No, those are good when things. It, right. <laughs> and it actually 
it is in the four superego because you're cutting off, you know, you're, you're separating, you're differentiating. That's quote unquote good to type four. And, Mm -hmm. and in the overall scheme of things, I mean, this is cosmic nine here. Why wouldn't there be some really negative types? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's balance actually. (laughs) Right. Right. Right? Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, I mean, exactly. And, you know, uh, Emika uses the word structure and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. going back to the critique I made, it's like comparing, oh, I'm like this, but I'm not like that. I'm good at this, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm bad at this is totally useless head games because it's about structure. Mm -hmm. Like part of what the way I set up my book is I start with the instinctual needs and then I build from there onto what, like, you know, okay, all right, you get the instinctual needs and then this makes a coherent instinctual drive. Okay, and then what's an instinctual type, or what is the instinct itself? And then what is an instinctual type? And then what does instinctual type look like uh, with the enneagram type? You know, and you got to kind of like, mm-hmm. you always have to be able to trace things back to a kind of an origin point. You know, it has to has to move from a structure, and that's that way you can see the pattern. The structure is based on patterns of attention, where my emotional energy goes, where my physical energy goes, where my mental energy goes. Um, but that structure is like really, really fucking important. And that's what colors, you know, everything David just spoke to, everything you just spoke to, and how you can look at somebody and have a pretty good guess of what their type could be, like narrowing it down to like at least three types mm-hmm. just by looking at somebody. One of the things that I've been really appreciating is looking at at least the concept from the OPS people is this idea of a tidal wave, which is they're saying that if, a blind spot every type has a blind spot and it's unaddressed if it's unaddressed like maybe at the 10 year mark is a, a backlog of unaddressed shit um that eventually becomes a tidal wave and you have like a real problem and so for mm-hmm. for us social blinds that there's going to be an eventual point and john can has experienced something recently <laughs> like this where you're not doing the social thing you're not seeing yourself you're not seeing your relationships and at some point you realize you know, because something terrible happens that you realize, oh, I haven't been handling this. And so I think there's something to be said about each type having a blind spot and, and having a an eventual problem because of that blind spot and that being a way to actually locate what type that you might be because it's it's real easy to identify with something based on positive traits or things that you might see in yourself that you like. But it's real challenging to look at the things that are wrong with you. Look at the, the fucking reoccurring life problems and to recognize that that is your blind spot. And each type or each instinct uh, stacking has a blind spot. And for example, as an eight, at some point I realized, you know, with, within the Enneagram, that the heart center is neglected in eights. And mm-hmm. so that's like a, a neglected center uh, um, in my personality structure, which not just, oh, that's, oh, yeah, I'm not doing heart, but the, it actually separates me from a lot of experiences. And so recognizing that each type is limited severely in, in, in a very clear and distinct way, uh, and if you're not doing an instinct, you have a, an instinctual blind spot, you're going to run into a huge problem because you're not paying attention to this aspect of life that is essential. Um, so typing yourself based on your life problems because you can't fuck around with those areas. Those, that, that shit fucking hurts. And, you know, that becomes a lot clearer. And I think if we can frame types from the perspective, but what are the huge life problems you end up running into if you're not 
neglect if you're neglecting the heart center or if you're neglecting um the social instinct that that's i, I think a good way to really catch people where it hurts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my uh my brain is turning this into a super self-pres three world okay. um and i think it's kind of entertaining so uh it this is reminding me a lot of like if you want to get better in sports you have to film yourself and Mm. watch where you're fucking up Mm. and you have to kind of trace that back to what the base issue is so i don't know it's kind of it's kind of helpful Mm -hmm. to have someone else watch you and point things out i think it's hard to do this on your own right right which Which is why you should be typed from the outside right this thing that people also say, because related to the statement that it's about motivation, not behavior, people also say that only you can know yourself, which is bullshit. bullshit. Like, you are the last person in the room that knows what the fuck you're doing. That's yeah. the point of personality. Every, everybody else knows where you're fucking up, but you. <laughs> yeah, one thing I came to, imperfect analogy, but it's like... uh <clears throat> Your type uh, is your brain. I mean, I don't mean it literally, right? But it's, can your brain look at your brain? No. <laughs> no you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Can your brain look at your brain? <laughs> yeah, and some people, some people have said things about how, you know, uh, both our uh, group or whatever community and OPS both repeat some of the same things. Anyone who's doing accurate typing will land on this this same sort of advice that like you don't know yourself that you're going to type yourself upside down and people think that this is like a marketing strategy to get people to type themselves like that is the whole point is that you can't fucking see yourself and just like you go to try on clothing at a store you need a mirror to show you that you're fucking you've got a hole in your back pocket or something your ass is hanging out like you have you need something else to show you that you have a you have a blind spot you're not able to see certain things and that's why it's helpful to get an outside perspective because you don't have the ability to see yourself without some kind of reflection from someone else. Right. Right. Some people think it's a matter of like intelligence or like knowledge. Like those of us who have been involved with Enneagram for over 10 years are still struggling with different aspects of realizing how much we're still re- learning about ourselves. Like things that we didn't even realize about ourselves that have been going on for years and years and years. That this idea that you can't see yourself never ends it's not like you reach a point of i'm smart enough now or i know enough now that i i can see myself no like it never you're still blind to different aspects of who you are right that that reminds me another one of uh nines who think they're fours think that some you know a lot of them when you read about type four then that's really the work of getting beyond your type is just reading about what four is <laughs> that that one comes up a lot is i used to do that all this negative four stuff but now i don't because i read about it <laughs> <laughs> that's inner work 101 right there just read the description you're done yeah that's really dumb <laughs> i like that one <laughs> it's like recognizing how most of us have you know learning about your type is one thing and then seeing yourself do the type and like we like how much do we know what social is and still like not even feeling like fucking dumbasses still with social (laughs) like it doesn't matter how well you know this stuff it's still a blind spot for you you still have to make incremental progress to get better 
Yeah, I said it, I think, in a conversation, maybe it was a side conversation we had. Like, John can write really well about social, and I can do a few things here and there in that space, too, maybe. But when it comes to us just riffing on it on the podcast, it's like, it kind of, we just can't elaborate on it because <laughs> it's because we can't contact it you know what i mean unless you like did some really intentional inner something you know to, well, to find it, it. Yeah. one thing i find interesting sometimes is people say uh at least with the instincts is that they feel like they do all three equally well and i'm like all right bet like how about you tell me tell me about your blind spot tell me how you're doing your blind spot because when you force someone to talk about their blind blind yeah. spot it like just even verbalizing about that is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. The, sure. you, you start to see that's right that you're actually mm-hmm. unconsciously pushing away from that instinct, and just even talking about it, you see that how fucking um, reduced and dumb it is. Whereas someone who is a social type can just go on and on with so much nuance about that instinct if they're in, if they're talking yep. about it. And so I I know a lot about social, but to try to like talk about social right now in this moment, it's not going to be easy for me. <laughs> That's not a matter of lack of knowledge or smarts or anything else. It's yeah. just like, it's literally a blind spot. It's hard. Yeah, it's like you're not able to contact it in your body to start talking from your body with it mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, motivation, not behavior. I think we've probably hit most things. One thing I meant to say a while back, <laughs> but I forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I found one thing that helps me um, kind of stay with myself in moments of wanting to turn it on or whatever is kind of making fun of myself i think that really helps i know that's kind of like a dumb way of handling it but um if i'm uh trying to kind of relate to someone and i'm trying i'm like kind of having to try hard i can kind of make fun of myself and be like oh there you go again oh my god you you're just like being such a dumbass just trying to relate to these people when they're so boring like just let them be boring like just kind of teasing myself about it mm. instead of just trying to force myself to be me i can keep doing my attachment shit but just teasing myself about it and then like once you name it it kind of helps turn it off a little oh, like like mm. yeah it gives it some space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i've underestimated how much people like hearing people talk about anything Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite true crime podcast will chat with each other for like a solid 45 minutes and i listen to every minute of it <laughs> it's like people have whole careers just talking shit and i'm like mm-hmm. i could talk shit for a living <laughs> <laughs> yeah for real yeah it was funny i had a parasocial moment uh, a couple weeks ago i saw chapo trap house they're one of my favorite podcasts oh. like live yeah and it was wild because i was like in this audience and i was like like, I was noticing, like, how familiar I felt with these idiots, you know? Oh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't just, like, seeing, like, a celebrity or something. It was like, oh, I've heard their conversations for, like, hours and Sat hours. Sat in their house and listened to them. Yeah. yeah. It was really interesting. But it made me excited if, you know, if this ever takes off and uh, doing live shows. Totally. It was, like, such a good energy and, like, uh, yeah, people were loving it. So, I don't know. It was kind of fun. Yeah. I My social is just, like, catching up to this thing of just people... Mm-hmm watching and listening to other people on a weekly basis and being invested in them. And I'm like, I'm really shocked that people are um, <clears throat> tuning in every week and so invested in everything that we say. It's like really kind of weird. 
And it's also I knew us, it was possible this whole time. It's also us realizing that we like to do this. Like, right? Oh yeah, we kind of like to do this. We like to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. that was a big part of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, for me, for real, like the first couple, uh, like times we were doing it, I was like, oh, I gotta do this fucking podcast again. And then I'd be like, really enjoying it. And then but I'd have to remember, like, whatever like resistance the obligation i had i was like oh but I actually enjoy it when i'm doing it you know yeah, right <laughs> it was right like this weird fucking thing like i feel that way about the sessions i do i always yeah. i always dread doing the sessions and then i'm i then i do the sessions and i feel good after so it's just weird social thing where totally. once i actually get into the social and i'm talking to you or to somebody i'm having a good time but like before it it's like fuck but right. you know the idea of the podcast like i don't know how long it took but maybe a couple months before it was actually a lot of fun and and it was like something that I took really a long time for it to be fun for me <laughs> just looking forward to it because just getting comfortable being recorded and not giving a shit about being recorded and just being yourself yeah well, I you have guys don't same. let me be myself you know? we're not giving voice <laughs> giving women we're not elevating elevating women's <laughs> it's never gonna not be a joke <laughs> We don't allow you to be yourself because that's uh, not what we do here. We, no, we just you take really up too much hate space. women, actually. <laughs> Even though all our guests have been, oh, we need to have some male guests. We haven't had any male yeah, guests. Yeah. We have had show. very few straight male guests. I don't know if I can name one. I think Xander is the only straight male. Uh, we had uh, Michael's teachings guy and Joseph, and then have we had other we, dudes? You had your friend, the archetypal masculine that we did with him. Oh yeah. Curtis. Oh Curtis. Oh yeah. yeah. Few and far between them. We love the ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't Same. clear. Same. <laughs> <laughs> me your titties. But yeah, this year's this year's gonna be fun. I mean, bring Nancy your titties. <laughs> Is that I'm allowed? I'm, I'm That's offended allowed. by this kind of talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay because I'm female, so you know. <laughs> <laughs>